Uh, Lord, hallowed be thy name. May our feet be swift. May our beds be mighty. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Now I lay me down to sleep. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the many blessings on this family. We thank you for bringing us a new friend. And we ask that you look after us on this holiday season, that we may never forget how very fortunate we are. Please, Lord. I just want to see my daughters again. If you get me through this, you answer my prayers. I swear I'll dedicate my whole life to you. I'll do whatever you want. Good morning. Glad you're here. Those are some typical prayers that we pray. And I say we because I know uh, as an athlete, I've, I've asked God for help <laughs> heading into a, a baseball or a football game. I played basketball, but I didn't really care about it, so I never, I never prayed about those games. <laughs> and, and maybe I should have. The coach would have really appreciated it. Um, th- this is week two of a dangerous prayer series, and those are certainly typical prayers, but we're, we're going to look at a prayer today that will need some splaining, as Ricky Ricardo used to say. Yeah, I've got some splaining to do, and I'll get to that soon. But these prayers that we're looking at in this series are dangerous to your status quo and mine, if we choose to pray them consistently, then life won't be the same. And one core idea for this series is prayer ignites the power of God in my life. Uh, the prayer break me, which is what we're looking at today, may not make sense to you to pray that. But in a special way, it ignites God's power in us. And it's a little confusing because to be broke... Uh, means to have no money, and we're certainly not going to ask God to bankrupt us. That's not what we're asking. Uh, but I think it'll make it'll make sense to you as I walk through the message today. The prayer "Break me" is connected to a hard heart. I was I was kind of surprised to find uh, a dictionary definition of a hard heart. I, I don't know why, but it's in there. Merriam-Webster says hard-hearted is lacking in sympathetic understanding to be unfeeling. I, my, my heart goes hot and cold. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm just going through life and I'm, I'm just trying to, to do what needs to be done and I, I kind of have, uh, have this hard heart about me. We need soft hearts in order to connect with our family, our spouses, our kids, with our friends, with our coworkers. If our heart is hard, we get impatient. We refuse to cut people slack. 
We don't forgive. So we, we really need soft hearts. If our hearts are hard, our friendships and family relationships get in trouble. Um, we, we, just, we just don't care. <laughs> and rarely do we connect with people God puts around us. We develop a hard heart for different reasons. Uh, one is self-protection, and they, they can look kind of like this armor cover heart. We've been hurt by others, and we have a thick layer of armor that's built up around our heart to make sure that we don't get hurt again. Uh, we're going to look into a story where, from Jesus' life where people had a heart that looked like this heart of stone. Uh, in a few moments, we'll see kind of how people react in this way. With a heart of stone, it grows out of arrogant self-righteousness or just plain selfishness. We, we get kind of stony hearts. Whatever its source, a hard heart blocks you from connecting with God and the people in your life. So it's very, very important to pray the prayer that we're talking about today. To explain the prayer, break me, I'm going to walk through two stories. They're, they're connected. They're one right after the other uh, in the book of Mark, one of the biographies, one of the four biographies of Jesus' life. And what happens in this story is puzzling at first and created a buzz uh, among Jesus' loyal followers and among his enemies. Uh, and so we're going to dig in and look at it. It involves a woman's extravagant gift. That's what we see here. Uh, Mark 14.3, while he was in Beth- Bethany, Jesus, reclining at table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard, she broke the jar and poured the perfume over his head. And people in the, in the room at the time watch what happens, and they're like, what? What, what just happened? That, that doesn't make any sense, what she just said. said so that what she did, the, the place was buzzing because this act of an unnamed woman didn't make sense. On the surface. Didn't make any sense at all. So let me give you some backstory to what, what's going on here. This event occurs in the very last week of Jesus' life, actually a few days before he was crucified. The first two verses of the chapter, uh, this is verse 3 where we started, verses 1 and 2, uh, they tell us that Jesus' enemies are beginning to plot his arrest and crucifixion, or however Rome decides to, to kill him, they're, they're plotting it. Jesus had predicted this. He's in Bethany. He spent some time in Bethany. It's a place where Jesus has performed some amazing miracles. He, he's done some amazing things. And it's, it's likely that Simon the leper was healed by Jesus of leprosy. So that, that's likely. Leprosy is a highly contagious skin disease. If you had leprosy, you were outcast. You couldn't, you couldn't come into homes. You couldn't come into the city. 
because people did not want to contract that horrible disease. It causes you to go numb in your extremities, and you end up uh, hurting your, you, you have injuries uh, on your feet, and, and you can't feel them, and so you end up losing your feet often. Uh, it's a horrible, horrible disease. So if you had leprosy, people are like, stay away. <laughs> and this is in Simon the leper's house. So a gathering in his house tells us that he's free and clear. So likely this is the leper that Jesus healed in Bethany. So no doubt uh, Jesus had quite a following because he had also raised Lazarus from the dead, his friend, in Bethany. So the house is full of Jesus' closest followers. An unnamed woman comes into the house. She breaks a jar of very expensive perfume and pours it on his head. In, in my modern mind, I look at this scene from Jesus' life and I think, what is, what is that all about? What is going on here? Here's a picture of some ancient alabaster jars. Uh, they were made from, they were made with a very tiny opening so that you would pour out the contents, the valuable contents, drop by drop. And so, uh, we're told that in this alabaster jar was, uh, pure nard or spike nard, which was imported from India. And I'm, I'm sure in that day and age, it took a while to get to where it was going and, and as they transported it. But the woman comes in, she breaks the jar, probably breaks off the top of the jar somehow, breaks off the top of the jar so she can just pour this expensive perfume on Jesus' head. Not drop by drop, but she poured it on his head. This was a custom. Uh, to anoint someone's head. It was an act of honor. Something you might do uh, for a special guest or uh, royalty. She goes over the top in gratitude and honor, and she pours out the whole jar. And as people are trying to make sense of what's going on, it definitely brought a mixed reaction from the people in the room. Mark 14.4 says, Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages. That's, that's expensive perfume. It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to, to the poor, and they rebuked her harshly. Now this is a stone-cold response <laughs> from, from these folks who were grumbling, indignant. It was a stone-cold response to a woman's act of honor. Several in the room chose a self-righteous, self-interested, hard-hearted reaction. Judas, I'm sure Judas was there. He's the one that betrayed Jesus in a, in a few days' time from, from this event. He betrayed Judas and uh, he handed him over for 30 pieces of silver. So I, I'm sure Judas is in the room thinking, we, we could have had that. We could have had that valuable 
perfume. We, we could have sold it. We could have made some money. And I'm, I'm pretty sure he was criticizing this act of generosity. This was a year's wages. Seemed excessive. Just, just think of what that money could have been used for. She, she offered everything in that moment, and she was criticized for it. How, how does that feel? How does it feel when you do something good and you're criticized for it? I mean, your intent is, is good. You're, you're trying to help, and you, and you get criticized. It doesn't feel good. So people are criticizing her until Jesus steps in. This is what he says. Leave her alone. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. This woman is the only one who seemed to grasp the significance of this week in Jesus' life. He was about to sacrifice his life to pay for the sins of all who would accept his payment on their behalf. He, he was the God of the universe who had become a man to make a way for us to reconnect with God. She, she grasped this, and her act reveals a very soft heart toward, uh, uh, from God toward us, a very soft heart. This king would die a criminal's death for crimes he never committed. So Jesus defends her. (laughs) And then he goes on. He says, she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. We're talking about it. (laughs) This is a couple thousand years later. We're still talking about what she did, and we're trying to make sense of it. This, This was a deep sacrificial offering. God moved her heart to give it, and she offered it up. She offered everything. The jars were broken. The jar was broken. The perfume was poured out. A few days later in Jerusalem on Thursday night, just before his death, Jesus gathers the 12 disciples for his final meal. And this is known as the Last Supper. And Christ followers are commanded to share in this ceremony to remember his sacrifice as a sacred memorial. So the Last Supper is really a preview of the ultimate gift from God toward us. Check out the wording Jesus used to describe what he was doing in sharing in the Last Supper. While they were eating... Jesus took bread, he gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. And then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. The bread was broken, the cup was poured out. The cup represented his blood that was poured out. For us, I bet the disciples immediately began to connect the dots <laughs> between the woman who broke the jar and poured it out. It rang a bell in their mind. 
probably wasn't that much of a stretch. They had just seen the woman break the jar, pour out the perfume, and Jesus had commended her for it. Hey, leave her alone. She's doing something that is very appropriate given the fact that where I'm heading this week, what's going on this week. Jesus was demonstrating in the Lord's Supper as well what he was about to do. On the cross, he offered everything up for us. He was broken and poured out for us. At this point, you may be wondering what this has to do with prayer. (laughs) If you are, I don't blame you. Why should we pray, break me? Breaking things isn't usually good. I was known as a bull in the china closet when I was growing up. Uh, That meant I I broke a lot of stuff. It wasn't good. Nobody really reacted uh, well to my breaking things like dishes or windows, which happened occasionally. Uh, One time the front door, but that's another, and a wall. But anyway, I won't go into that. That's not good when (laughs) when you're breaking stuff. It, it, it makes more sense when, when you're, you're in a moment of frustration or you're, you're struggling with a friendship or a family relationship and it just feels like things are starting to unravel. It makes a lot more sense to say, Lord, hold me together. Why would we pray, break me? How, how does that make sense? I mean, what is that all about? In these two stories, we've uncovered a pattern for all Christ followers to follow. We are to be broken and poured out for God and others. I I rarely want to be broken. That's why I need to pray, break me. I I just don't want it, often. So I need to pray this prayer consistently. Jesus was totally devoted to us. He he poured out his life for us. And if you've decided to follow him, we should return that same devotion to him. That's, That's the thought here. We should be willing to break up our hard hearts and pour out our lives for what matters to Jesus. What matters most to Jesus Christ are his people and the people he made. This is what matters to him. So we... We need to be willing to break up our armored, stony heart, whatever, whichever one it is at the time. We need to be willing to break it up and pour ourselves out for God and the people he loves. Often, however, we need to get to the end of ourselves before we're ready to follow Christ in the first place. This is how it was for me. Uh, we, we resist giving God rightful control over our lives. It's right that the one who made us leads us. <laughs> we, we always hesitate. I mean, we, God gave us the choice of whether to allow him to lead or not. He gave us the ability to choose. We have a will. We can choose to go his way or our own way. And, um, we, we resist. Natively, we resist going God's way. We, we just don't want him to control our lives, to lead our lives. And often we try, we've tried our way in life. It gets all gnarled up. 
we hit a wall, and we finally surrender to God's way. This is, this is the pattern. This is what I experienced. And it's at that moment that we're broken before God. We're, we're broken. And this is where I was when I finally gave my life to follow Christ. I, I, I got to the point where I, I just knew I could not be who I needed to be on my own. And I gave my life to follow him. From that point forward, he began to shape me into a different person. He used my past. He built on that. He didn't waste it. He began to build a future that looked way better and began to bless the people in my life rather than distract from them. When I get hard-hearted, I don't bless. When I get hard-hearted, I don't, I don't change to, to meet God's goals in my friendships and family relationships. But if I have the courage to pray, break me, God can change me. When we pray this to God, we're coming to the realization that we don't have the power or the means to do life God's way. Psalm 51 was written by King David. He's at a point in his life where he is just at the end of himself. He has blown it in a major way. He has sinned against God. He's sinned against the people uh, over which he rules. And he is at the end of himself. He was the most revered king in the history of Israel who, said, who was said to have a heart for God. He, he had a heart for God. And David shows us something very important in a prayer. Here's what David says about brokenness. Psalm 51, 16, 17. For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Often, I I don't want a broken heart. (laughs) I want a heart filled with me. I want a heart strong so I can do what I need to do in my own power, in my own strength. I, I, I I don't really want a broken heart. David is saying here, uh, if there was a sacrifice to be made to pay for my wrong, which makes perfect sense to us human beings, by the way. We do wrong, we want to make up for it, we pay for it. And at the time this was written, Psalm 51, there was a sacrificial system in place that God was using to... Um, to uh, teach us about the need for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. And so the, in, in the Old Testament, if you sinned, you would offer a sacrifice to pay for it. That makes sense to us. Makes sense to me. Hey, I blew it. Let me make up for it. Let me figure out how to do this. Here's the problem with that. Being religious allows you to go through the motions without putting your heart into it. That's the problem. God wants our heart. He doesn't want our religious activity. 
He wants our heart. He wants us to give ourselves to him. And he wants to help us put our heart into our relationships. A sacrifice makes sense to us. When we sin, we want to do something good for God. We want to make up for it. We want to try to be good. I'm going to do my best to be good. I'm going to give everything I got to this. Or we want to put a little more money in the offering, depending on how guilty we are. Doing good, making, you know, doing good is good. Being generous is good. Helping people out is also good. But God's looking at what we're doing, and we're not getting anywhere with him if we're just trying to buy him off. We're just trying to keep him at a distance. We can do religions, and our heart is far from God. That's not what God wants. An armored heart keeps God and people at a distance, at arm's length. We're holding him off. A heart of stone smashes into other people and hurts them. But if we have a broken and contrite heart, we are soft and pliable in God's hands And he can make us and shape us to fit each situation that we're we're in. This this is what God wants. The picture in the Bible is that the Lord is the potter and we're the clay. He's shaping us. He's molding us. If we cooperate with him, if we have a hard heart, he's not going to shape anything. We've got to soften our heart toward him. So that's why we pray, break me, God. Break it. Break up this hard heart. Soften it, if you will. God wants a broken and contrite heart. A broken spirit is broken of self-interest, self-righteousness. It's not downtrodden or discouraged. And uh, it's, it's more about just choosing humility and letting God be who he needs to be in your life. I'll, I'll be honest. I I rarely want to offer a broken heart to God. I need help to break up these things in my life, self-righteousness, self-interest, to break up that protective layer I place around my heart. So I need to pray, break me consistently. Broken and contrite heart is an attitude of humility that recognizes God is Lord. And I, I will seek to honor him by breaking the jar of my life and pouring it out for his purposes. I will pour it into this circumstance and shift from what I want to what he wants. That's what it means to pray this prayer. Maybe you're here this morning and... You'd like to pray the prayer, break me, for the very first time. Maybe that, that hadn't made sense to you, but as I've talked, you're beginning to understand that God has brought you to this point in your life to help you give your life over to him to follow him as Lord and boss. You've been living life your own way. You're at the end of yourself, and you want the Lord to be able to change you. So this is the prayer. Did God, break me. 
I'm broken. Life is breaking me up. It's it, it's unraveling. Would you would you break me and then begin to build me and shape me into the person you want me to be? David shows us what to do when we're at the end of ourselves. If you offer God a broken and contrite heart, he will accept it and help you move forward. That's an acceptable sacrifice to God. Your heart may be hardened because you've been hurt. You have a protective layer around it. It will only soften if you forgive. It's the only way to soften your heart. You need God's help to forgive, to let it go. Ask him to help you. Our part is to keep coming back to this prayer. Break me, God, so I can offer a broken and a contrite heart. That prayer unlocks God's power in my life to change me. This is what happens. What what do you need to ask God to break you of this morning? Maybe you've been focused on yourself. Maybe you've been judgmental or self-righteous toward someone in the family, toward a friend, co-workers. And this has caused a heart of stone to develop in you. You should pray, if that's the case, you should pray, God, break me of self-interest. Break me of self-righteousness. For some of us, pride is blocking us from reaching out to God. We're not asking him for help in in an area we're struggling with. Maybe you're stuck in marriage and you need to reach out for help to God and to someone around who can help. Maybe you're not sure how to handle the kids right now. Not sure how to how to lead them well, how to parent them. You need to ask God for help and reach out for for counsel. Maybe you're stuck spiritually. You need help to grow, but it's it's so it's so embarrassing to admit that you don't know what you need to know. But you can't know what you don't know. So it's better just to break yourself down in humility and ask for help at work, you may be at the end of your level of experience. You don't have the expertise to handle something. It's better to just break down the pride and ask for help. You should pray. If that's the case, God, break me of pride. Break my pride. For others... Maybe it's control. You may be trying to control the people around you in your life that God's put in your life. You're, you're sort of seeing them as chess pieces, and if they would just go where you want them to go and say what you want them to do, life would be good. That would be awesome. If that's the case, you should pray, God, break me of control. I, I don't want to do that. A broken and contrite heart makes us pliable in the hands of God so he can change us and make us who we should be in each situation as we're relating to the people around us. An armored heart goes clank. A stony heart goes thud in each situation. But a pliable heart, a soft heart, God can shape and help you begin to bless the people he's put into your life. To be broken and poured out is a way to show honor and devotion to the one who is broken 
and poured out for us. If you would, I'd like to ask you to take out your connection card that Thad mentioned earlier. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to finish filling it out, please do so now. Uh, that'd be great if you'd like. Uh, on the back side of that connection card, there are some next steps in the left-hand box. And I encourage you to take one of these next steps as I wrap up the message. Uh, my next step today is to, for the first time, I commit my life to follow Christ. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've never gone to God and and given him your life, your heart. You've never broken yourself before him and poured yourself out before him, and you're at the point where you're ready to do that. Uh, you also might be at the point where you need somebody to meet with you and explain what that means and how to do that. There's a place on the right-hand side to check a box uh, so you can can meet with somebody to be to get clarity on on what that means. Uh, and then another step that I'm suggesting is to ask God to break me of. What is it you need to ask God to break you of today? You could you could take that step, and then there may be something else that the Lord has said. Would you pray with me, Father? We thank you for your Word and. Jesus, we thank you for your life that you live that we can learn so much from. God, we thank you for your word that explains what you want from us. Help us, God, to offer you a broken and contrite heart that you will not despise. Help us to take the next steps and have the power to please you in our lives as we take those steps. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.